Take your Bibles and open them up to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And I just love the Gospels. The Gospels, the good news. There's four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All the same story with different emphasis on different events of the same story. This whole thing that we're doing here, celebrating God, seeking Jesus, praying for one another, fellowshipping, the part I love the most about it is that it's so normal and so real. There's so much out there that's not real, not normal, just kind of fake and facade I don't know about you, but I'm living a real life. Anybody out there living a real life with me? Just kind of, man, you, you want to be fake and facade every once in a while, but it doesn't work. That's why you go to the movies. You go to the movies to watch fake movies, you know, whether it's a chick flick or a drama or action. All that's fake. I don't know if you guys know that. Okay, the only real movies out there are Rocky 1 and Rocky 2. That's, that's why they were so boring. Rocky 3 through Rocky 20, those were all fake, okay? Those super fun, you know, fighting giants and Russians and all that stuff. Listen, here's my point. Real life. We study the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Real life. Jesus just going from church to church, person to person, conflict to conflict, resolution to resolution, challenge to challenge, glory to glory. It's all just life. And I don't know if you, how you grew up in church or if religion was a big disconnect for you. I go to church on Sundays, and then I live my life Monday through Saturday, and then I remember on Sunday that I'm a Christian. Whoops, I blew it last week, and you go back to church. No, that's not how it's intended to be. God has designed the Bible, his spirit, his purpose to be with you Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, all, all throughout the week. And when we study portions like we're going to today, it's just normal, a normal day with Jesus. And I want you to, with me, commit your life to being normal, just living your life, day in and day out, glory to glory, trial to trial, giant in the land to giant in the land, difficulty to triumph, with me, with your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray before we even get into the text, and then we're going to open up and just study some normal stuff. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you indeed are really normal, natural, and also supernatural, that you are both and, that you, Lord, allow us to live our lives to grow with one another, to go through things maybe that we are excited about and other things we're just not looking forward to. It's just called life. And yet, Lord, you avail yourself to us and say, guess what? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will finish the work I began in you. I will cause all things to work together for you. I will be greater in you than that which is around you. I will be with you. And Jesus, I thank you. I pray for every man, every woman here living a normal life, <laughs> dealing with stuff, that, Lord, we would tap into the very things of heaven on earth today through your word, that we would find ourselves with application for our lives, knowing, wow, this is what God's been doing. This is what's happening. And that then, Lord, we would turn our hearts over to you in an even greater way today. May that be the fruit of today's gathering. Hearts surrendered, lives changed, steps ordered, future detailed. Lord, we give it to you, and I pray for your help to teach this, to preach this, to share this, to live this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Well, again, it's just very normal. Every, every, every portion of the Bible, if you look at the Bible right now, maybe you're super new at this, you're like, wow, the Bible's crazy, the Old Testament's crazy, and all the prophecy books are crazy, and it's, none of it's crazy, okay? I'll be honest, you're crazy, okay? You're the crazy one. Your life and history of man, it's crazy, and God comes in, and he says, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm just going to write it down. I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to see, and I'm going to show, and I'm going to exemplify, I'm going to detail my presence in the mess, my presence in the process. You're all just processing life right now. What a joy to be here, a blessing to process life with each other. Here's some principles, though. Okay, every person's life is going to be full of ups and downs, just full of them, ups and downs, ups and downs. I love the ups. I don't like the downs. You can't choose one or the other, full of both. God is in both. Another thought just to consider at the beginning of the sermon here. Every person's life needs some sort of redemption from God. I don't know if you knew that. You wake up. Nobody likes to talk about the redemption they need, okay? The stuff, the challenges you're walking in that are difficult for you or the mistakes or messes you've made, okay? Just a spoiler alert, your life needs redemption from God today. There's something in your marriage, something in your business, something in your, your ministry, something in your mind needs to be redeemed. To be redeemed means to be saved from the wreckage and made beautiful again. Okay? Everybody's life's full of up and downs, and everybody needs some sort of redemption. Even this morning, the third thought before we get into the text, every person's life 
can find encouragement and direction from this book. Okay, this is, this is your handbook. This is your manual. It's the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. The B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. It's pretty simple. That's actually not what it means, but it's, it makes sense for today. The Bible, it's what we look to. And so if you're looking for wisdom, direction, purpose, or truth, don't go to other sources so easily. Don't go to Facebook, okay? Get your face in the book, okay? That's, just, that's the real deal. It's true. And I studied this out and put it together. And then, and then I wasn't excited to preach it, this message today. I wasn't excited. I was like, oh, man, I'm not, I think that message might be for me. You know, I think I, oh, man, I think I need, and I wasn't excited. I really have to get this concept because I want it to move into my life and become a reality where I, like you, like the story today, like Peter and the boys, I'm just living my life. And Jesus follows me, and Jesus walks into my life, and Jesus uses me and says, hey, would you come, come closer to me? Come here. Come here. You're getting kind of weird. Come here. Come here. Come here. Get closer to me. And, and then Jesus allows me to partner with him in what he's doing, even though he doesn't need me or you. He wants us. He says, let's do this together. And I don't know about you, but I haven't been perfect my whole life. I haven't done things awesome every time. And yet Jesus on purpose says, yeah, I, I realize that. And if you can process your imperfections by way of humility and repentance and reception, I can use you. I can use you today. I got a whole new chapter ahead. I got a whole new week ahead for you. So that's what I believe God is doing in my life and in your life. And so we're looking to the book for wisdom today. Uh, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. And I had a lot of people respond. This was very profound. And so just catch on. Look at verse 42. Of Luke 4. It says, Now when it was day, in other versions it says, When the sun had not yet come up. So we're talking early bird special here, okay? 6 a.m., Starbucks is still closed, kind of stuff, at least in Newport. Anyways, it says, it says, When it was still day, when it was day, he departed and he went into a deserted place. He went by himself. Well, after the sun had finally come up, the crowd sought him and they came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. He's Jesus the Christ. He's the man. They love him. It's not a bad thing. But, verse 43, he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because for this purpose, and you should have purpose circled in your Bible, for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. This is where we left off last week. Jesus wakes up. He had a great day at church prior. Great time there in Galilee. He goes to church and there's some people with oppressing spirits and he heals them and he goes to Peter's mom's house and heals her and all the neighbors come over and he heals all of them and the whole thing is really cool. All good stuff happening here. And so Jesus, in the midst of good things, goes to the mountain to seek God things. This is crazy town because we live in the land of good things, don't we? I mean, this, is all, this is America. Things are really good. Just pinch yourself, really good for us. And yet in your life as a Christian, because your Christianity supersedes your nationalism, you're a Christian, you're a heavenly citizen, the good things can sometimes cloud out the God things. Lord, what's good is not necessarily what's from God. And so here Jesus wakes up, everyone's excited, people are healed, the preaching's going, the church is growing, it's tripled in size, and Jesus goes to the mountain and prays, and God reminds him, if you would, not that Jesus forgot, but God tells him, you must now go. Don't stay. You must fulfill your purpose. And his purpose is identified. If you're a Christian here today and you're looking for your purpose, you may want to take a cue from Christ. You may want to just kind of, what was his purpose? What was he all about? He must preach the kingdom of God. That was it, okay? Now, just by way of teaching, he was preaching the kingdom of God there, but he needed to go elsewhere and continue to preach the kingdom of God. What did they want him to do? Stay there and keep healing people, okay? Stay there and keep casting out demons. Stay there and keep doing signs and wonders and miracles. People love this kind of stuff, don't they? Signs, wonders, and miracles, and, you know, power. Whoa, whoa, we love it. And Jesus is like, yeah, I love it too. But not as much. This is, for some of you, important. But not as much as I love preaching the kingdom of God. Because preaching the kingdom of God, that is the kingdom that is coming, the kingdom that supersedes all other miracles, signs, wonders, and demonic powers and craziness, it's temporal here. The kingdom of God is forever. And Jesus says, that's what people need. You don't necessarily need a healing or to be a signs and wonders miracle. Is there anything wrong with healing, signs, wonders, and miracles, and casting out demons? Anything wrong with that at all? Okay, just make sure we're on the same page. Don't misunderstand me. Don't put stuff in my mouth I'm not saying. 
Nothing wrong with it at all. It's good stuff. Those, though, listen, are byproducts of the prime product, which is the preaching of the good news of the kingdom of God. That we indeed have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we can't save ourselves. But God has sent himself a sacrificial lamb to take away the sins of the world and to forgive us of our sins so when we take our last breath, we go right to heaven and be with him. That's the kingdom of God. And I say that because there's all kinds of temptations to pursue. Listen, there's two P words we talked about last week. There's all kinds of temptations to pursue your potential over your purpose. Because potential is super cool. Potential, it's not a bad word necessarily, but it is a bad word if it clouds your purpose. Your potential. You could be a great this and you could go do a great that and you could be part of this. But if it takes over your purpose, your purpose, then your potential is therefore then a bad thing and a threatening thing. Now here's the application for us because all of you would agree with me. I don't want to do just things that I'm potentially good at. Instead, I want to fulfill and follow my purpose. Now I could potentially do a lot of things. Could you potentially do a lot of things? I could potentially become a really good golfer. Anybody else out there? I mean, my, I got potential, you know. I won a hole-in-one contest when I was like eight and stuff like that. And I, you know, did some stuff, some putt-putt. I took golf lessons. I could potentially become really good. I could potentially become a really good surfer. Apparently, there's an ocean people surf in, you know. There's other things in that ocean, too, that surf, you know, sharks. I could potentially do it. I could potentially become a good gardener or become a good hunter or a fisherman. Or I could potentially become a bodybuilder. Maybe not. I could potentially, though... I could do a lot of things, but here's the deal. I don't want to let my purpose fall to the wayside by being distracted with the potentials. Okay, how, how am I going to do this? Because again, if you, this is real, we're talking real sharp shooting here. Okay, because I like to do stuff. I like to fish, and I like to work out, and I like to garden, and my garden doesn't like to do anything for me, but I like to garden, you know, and, and I like to do stuff. I'm not saying you shouldn't do stuff. But here's the, here's the premise, and here's what you must do first, is you must do what Jesus did. You've got to have that quiet time with the Lord. What, what's my purpose? What's, not my potential. You could go to www.com, what's my potential.com. You, know, you can find it out there. You can find your potential on Facebook or on other sites. Or you can say, Lord, what's my purpose? I believe that I was made divinely. I believe that I was made with intentionality. Whoa. I believe that I was made uniquely. Psalm 139 says, I'm too legit to quit. That God's made me. That nobody shares my retina pattern. Nobody shares my fingerprint pattern. Nobody shares my tongue pattern. Your tongue has a pattern. Super sick. But your tongue has a pattern. Nobody shares your tongue pattern. You shouldn't share your tongue pattern with very many people either. <laughs> Find one. Find one. Marry that one and share your tongue pattern. But anyways, <laughs> it's marriage counseling. I don't know where that came from. That's not, I didn't think. Still good stuff. Still good stuff. Here's the deal. Look at verse, let's get back to the Bible now. You're all distracting me. Verse 42. Now when it was day, he departed and went to a deserted place. Stop right there, eyes up here. He seeks the Lord. He connects. I'm not saying Jesus was tempted to stay there. I don't know if he was tempted to stay there. Staying there would have been a good thing. I remember when I first got started in the ministry, I was serving at the Ashland Christian Fellowship with high schoolers and college kids and ministry opportunities and missions. I was doing stuff, and there was this group of people that were part of a school of ministry. And they kept coming to me and saying, Luke, you should go to the school of ministry. You should move in there. It's an 11-month program. It's amazing. And I would look at that going, I'm in the ministry. I want to go, but I'm in the ministry. Was there anything wrong with the school of ministry? Nothing at all. But when I got into my deserted place, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm already impacting lives. I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box, and I'm learning as I go, and I've got some things to learn as I go down this road. But Lord, and the Lord confirmed, you stay in the ministry. You don't need to go to the school of ministry. Somebody, though, should go to the school of ministry. Here's the deal. The point is, in order to identify your purpose daily, maybe once in a lifetime, that would be really cool. Wouldn't that be cool? Then you've got to protect that purpose, everything you've got. And maybe every time you seek the Lord, confirm that purpose. Here's the point for all of us. If you're not seeking the Lord in a deserted, quiet place, often, I would advise daily, but, but let's just go often. If you're not checking in with him on your knees with your journal and your book open, with a pliable heart, 
in a willing spirit, if you're not in that, I guarantee you, and I can't guarantee you, but I guarantee you, your purpose is in jeopardy. Guarantee you. I can't guarantee you, but I guarantee you. Your purpose is in jeopardy. You're, you're going to be following your potential. And careful, because you'll probably do some really good stuff. You might even be really successful at it. Best in your field. This is crazy scary. You might become influential, affluent. And yet, if you go in your quiet time, Jesus could have made it here. Capernaum, man. They had an office for him, a package salary. They loved him. T-shirts were printed. We got T-shirts for you. He's like, I got to go. I got to go. I'm out of here. Well, that came from, it had, had God had a different purpose for him, Hey, stay here in Capernaum. He would have came out of that deserted place and said, yep, this is it. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stick and stay and make it pay. This is going to be my place of ministry. And when God reveals to you your purpose, you must guard it from false potentials. It's just a word. Somebody's got to figure this out. Just raise up your antenna a little higher. Maybe there's a job offer right now. Maybe there's a, a, some potential to advance the business, a potential to... To, to do something better for, for something. Okay, that's, oh, careful. Just because it's better for something and good doesn't mean it's from God. So what are you going to do? You need to quiet your heart. This is the hard part, by the way. I wish I could just keep here preaching and say, well, here's your purpose. You know, my name's Tony Evans or whatever the guy's name is, you know, or whatever. Is that, is that a guy? Let's make that up. I'm here. I wish I could tell you your purpose. I can't. I can't. This is the hard work for you where you quiet your heart and mind. Journal, pen, paper, Bible. You say, Lord, Why'd you make me? Am I fulfilling your purpose? Am I, am I off purpose? Am I, am I, do I need to liquidate? Do I need to sell? Do I need to re-up? Do I need to do? Do I need to go? Because I feel like this is good, but it's not God. And I'm just going to be honest. That process is worth its weight in gold. The process of you just connecting with the Lord. If you're not connecting with the Lord right now, this is your connection. Sunday morning church, you're going to connect with us and with me and with the sermon. This is your connection. It's not enough. Okay, it's not enough. It's enough to sustain you and keep your heart beating and maybe produce a, a fruit every once in a while, pop out of your tree. That's a fruit, you know. You got to be doing the work with God. This is where I'm convicted. I do a lot of teaching, a lot of preaching, a lot of sharing, a lot of serving, a lot of giving, all that. And the Lord says, Luke, I, I just need you in the deserted place with me more. I need to confirm your purpose. Because there's all kinds of potentials that are growing out of your life, Luke. You could potentially win at this and potentially succeed at that and potentially partake in this. And I'm just starting to look at my own life. You look at your life. Don't look at my life too close. Okay, look at your life. And I'm looking at some of the stuff I'm doing right now. They're not bad. Okay? There is the bad stuff in your life and in my life. We need to easily identify and cut that off. But there's the things in my life that are just usurpers, just little suckers, just taking the nutrients, taking my time, taking my energy fooling the people around me, those leafy branches in your life and my life that are potentially fruit-bearing, but you know there's no fruit. It's not going to work. Anyways, be that as it may, Jesus here dodges a bullet, stops from going down the road of good in order to follow the road of God. Again, how? By spending that quiet time listening. This is where you're going to get blessed. Okay? Don't just go listen to another sermon. Listen to the Lord. Spend some time in his word. Okay, there's actually three main ways that you spend time with the Lord. If you're looking, how do I, how do I identify my purpose and protect it then? Read the Bible a lot until you die. Okay, well, I already read it a lot back in 77. It was amazing. No, keep reading it a lot until you die. Okay, read his Bible, read the word, read the word. And then his presence, just seeking his presence. He's omnipresent, he's everywhere. And yet, just like the Wi-Fi is everywhere, there's Wi-Fi everywhere, okay? Until you, like, log in, though, you're not connected. There's Wi-Fi flowing through here, but no one's using it. If you are, stop it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's everywhere, but you and I got to connect his presence. Now, where's the signal at, Lord? That's strong, strong. Is there a password? Jesus, you know, just Jesus, go there. Oh, Jesus, just say his name, okay? His word is how you connect, his presence, and his people, I love my Christian friends that are walking authentically with the Lord. Love them. Appreciate them. I watch, you guys don't know this, but I watch your life. I glean from your stories, from your advances, from your discipleship, from your energy. I say, oh, yes, yes. And I value your opinion and your insight. 
your strength, your, everything you have that God gives you. That's how it works, the word, the, the presence of God as Holy Spirit and the people that love God as well. Jesus dodged a bullet. Look at verse 44. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. He tells these guys, I can't stay here. I'm going there. He didn't leave on bad terms, okay? He left on God terms. I'm going to another church. Oh, that's cool. Here's the, here's the cool thing. At least he went to a church. I know a lot of people who leave a church and don't go to church. You ever met that person? Been married to that person? Been that person? You ever, see, you ever seen that? It happens. Jesus, our model here. Now, let's just talk about his church life for a second because I really like this verse, and we'll get to chapter 5 where it gets fun. Jesus here leaves and goes to all the synagogues in Galilee. Galilee was huge. There was around a million people living there. Okay, it's a big place, small villages. Every village with 10 male Jews or more had a synagogue. And Jesus would go to synagogue and synagogue and synagogue. Just share, share, and share. Church to church. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever been hurt at the church? you ever gone to church and those mean people down there didn't say hi to you? you ever gone to a church with a lot of people and only two bathrooms? How rude. What are they thinking? And there's all kinds of reasons not to go to church. You'll get some today. I'm never going back there again. Pastor Luke's sermon's way too short. Way too short. You know, I get that all the time, people complaining. They want two-hour sermons. I can't do it. I'm kidding. <laughs> Come on. Jesus had gone to his church in Nazareth, where he was raised. His youth group church. He comes back. Ah. Jesus is now a man. He stands up to preach his first sermon. And they say, you know what? Sorry, Mary Joseph, love you, but we're going to kill your son. And they try and kill him. Jesus leaves and goes to another church, and a demonized guy starts yelling at him. He comes to this church, and all the people try and pressure him into doing stuff he's not called to do. What does Jesus do in response? Goes to church. Simple word, okay? Be a church person. There's no perfect church out there. None, okay? Find a good one. When you find one, find a good church and go. Don't go biannually or semi-annually or occasionally or like the CEOs, the Christmas and Easter onlys. Don't do that, okay? There's a temptation. Find a church and go. Jesus did it. If Jesus went to church, you and I probably ought to follow suit. Yeah, it's, the sermon's too long. The parking's too messed up. The traffic in the summer. Make a decision now, especially you dads and leaders of the family, you, you moms and you family units. Make a decision. We're church people. It's what we do, Okay? Unless somebody has H1N1, swine flu, we're not going. That's the only reason, you know, vacation or swine flu. That's the only reason we're not going. You guys remember H1N1? Remember that? But don't come to church on that day. That's why we have the live stream. Stay home, you know. Sanitize before you even log in. Anyways, make a decision. And I always tell people, I don't have time to, to build this up, but I always tell people, find a church, though, that does these three things for you. Number one, feeds you. Okay, find a church that's preaching the Bible. So you're like, man, I got the word today. I got, I, got, I got fed. I feel good. And find a church that doesn't just feed you, but find a church that challenges you. You don't just need a bunch of back rubs and, you know, ear tickles and jokes and stories. You need to, oh, man, I kind of got yelled at today a little bit. You need a challenge. I got fed, but I got exhorted. And then the third thing you have to have in your church is some sort of way to be part of it, okay? Be a, be a member, okay? By action, by attitude, by attendance, Buy a hoodie, whatever, you know, buy something. That's my church, man. If I'm not there, I'm going to be missed. And I love being there. I love helping. I love supporting and writing checks and participating. That's, and I love giving and serving when I can. And I show up to events and I do things. This is my church. I, I get fed, I get challenged, and I give back. Those three things, okay? I just see that Jesus here leaves after a couple rough goes of church. <laughs> Demonized guys yelling at you death threats. I mean, talk about all the legit reasons to not go back to church the next Sunday. Jesus here navigates through all of that. Well, look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 5. I want you to catch this story. It says, so it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, or Gennesaret, Stop right there, eyes up here. He's now on the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum was right there. Peter's house was right there. All of these synagogues all around the region of Galilee. Galilee is a fresh body, freshwater body of water. It's a lake. Eight miles wide, 13 miles long. It's big. Okay, if you think you can skip rocks to the other side, you can't. It's huge. Fish flowing, industries, 
communities all around this region. So big was the lake that people who lived in certain regions would name their region differently than the Sea of Galilee. Where do you live? I live in Gennesaret. Okay, I live in Tiberias. I live over here in Gadara, all on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. That's how big it is around. So Jesus now finds himself in this region of Gennesaret. Notice, though, what's happening. I just need you to point and see this. This crowd is gathering. Verse 1 again. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood at the lake of Gennesaret. I like this. Just catch the scene. Jesus is real. He's preaching. He's attracting a crowd. And everyone's showing up for this one reason, to hear the word of God. Just catch this. You need to know this about God's word and preaching. When God's word is preached and it's from heaven to earth, your knower knows it. You just know it. You know it's good or you know it's bad. You know it's from heaven. God's given you a discerner, an ability to say, whoa, that's good. I don't get it all. I've got questions still. I have struggles also, but that's the good stuff right there. And you, like me, are drawn to that kind of teaching. You're drawn to that kind of preaching. Matter of fact, crowds gathered around Jesus, and I believe crowds will gather at churches that elevate God's word above our own opinions that elevate God's word above our own want-tos and likes, that elevate God's word above the agendas of the culture. You think that Jesus was there on the seashore of Galilee just preaching what everybody had already heard, what everybody wanted to hear, what everybody was already doing, or do you think it was kind of countercultural? Just pinch yourself and be real with me. Jesus was preaching countercultural truths of the scriptures, ruffling feathers. And something within everyone said, I kind of like that. Because you, like me, don't want to be lied to. I don't want to be lied to. I'm dumb enough as it is already, man. Don't tell me any lies. If I start believing lies, I'm super in trouble. You start telling me the truth, I'm like, thank you, thank you. Somebody looks at me and tells me I'm wrong. Thank you. You know, it's like having something in your teeth and nobody tells you. You're so mad. And that one person's like, dude, your fly's down and your teeth are blocked up with, you know, grass. You're like, well, thank you, thank you. You don't feel judged. You feel loved and cared for. The rest of the people who didn't tell you, they're the judges. Our culture's crazy. I can't even understand it. I just, I don't, I don't have a big enough brain or big enough computer to to figure it out. It's not my job. But there's just so much crazy stuff out there. Okay, the church is just, it's out of control. It's wild. It's God's problem, not mine. It's not yours either. Okay, there's just so much out there being preached that's weird and, and irrelevant and irreverent and not true. Christianity's watered down in so many areas, and it's gospel light and Christian light, and there's sermonettes for Christianettes, and all the, you know, it's just all, it's all truncated and small so, in some places. I, that's not my problem. Okay, my problem is what's going on here, my heart and your heart. How, how do we approach the Word of God? Does the Word of God attract our hearts? Even when it hurts, even when it steps on my toes, like, ah, I'm working on it, Lord, I'm working on it. You're right, I'm wrong, okay? That settles it. I, I, I can't fix everything all at once. Listen, though, the word of God, this is what gathers us. And if you know that, that's why you're here at church, okay? If you're trying to find a church that is different than that, it's not going to be this church. As a matter of fact, I've counseled people. There are some churches that teach from the Bible. There are some churches that teach about the Bible. And there are other churches that teach the Bible. It's different. When you teach the Bible, I'm just going to teach the Bible, like a menu, just going to rip right through it, okay? We're going to order every course eventually, every single thing available, and this is going to be ordered and applied to my life. Not just pieces, my best, my favorite, things I like, it's the book. I'm going to apply it over my whole, it's, it's right, and it guides, and if you have that mindset in your family, oh, repent if you don't today, just repent. You and your, well, I've got questions. I went to community college, and I've got some questions about the Bible. I talked to a professor. He wasn't a real professor, but I talked to somebody one time, and they had some questions. Listen, stop it. Stop. God's word is powerful. Let it rule over you. Let it decide what's right and wrong. Let, the Bible actually says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And the word rule there is the same word we use for umpires in sporting events. And you know, the umpire, the ref, man, those guys are in charge. You know what I'm saying? They make twice as much as money as anybody here. You know, those guys are, they're in charge. They blow the whistle, game stops, they kick people out. Those guys, the Bible says, let God's word and God's peace rule in your heart that same way. You got to put the rebellion down. You got to put your, your pride down. These guys were gathering, hearing Jesus. And I guarantee it wasn't all puppy dogs and rainbows. 
Jesus was preaching. As a matter of fact, the message began, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, prepare the way. This is what God was laying out for people to receive the free gift of salvation, to open up and say, that's true, that's true. Yesterday or the day before, I was talking to somebody about the thief on the cross and how radical the grace of God is. To save this man who had done nothing right, everything wrong, deserved death and damnation, and yet looked at Jesus and said, you're right, you're true, you're God. Would you remember me? That's enough. You just nailed it. You just did it. You dropped your pride. You dropped your opinions. You dropped, and the grace was yours. The word of God teaches that to us. I read an article on uh, the internet a couple days ago. It talked about churches and the trend these days to water down uh, Christianity in general. Here's the four things that I'll share with you that I read. Number one, there's a lowered view of the Bible. It's just a lower view. It's just a book of stories, fables, poems. There's all kinds of words you can use. It's God's word. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Psalm 138 that God has elevated his word above his own name. Jews today, reverent Jews, won't even type out the word G-O-D. It'll be G-D. They won't even type it out. His, his name is so revered in Jewish cultures. And God says, guess what? My word's higher. What? Well, if you're in the wrong church, there'll be a lowered view. Uh, here's another thing that'll happen if you're getting in a watered-down circle. Uh, feelings are emphasized over facts. <laughs> Careful. That is how I feel. It must be true. And don't follow your feelers, and your feelers are broken. You follow your feelers and do whatever you feel. I'll see you in jail. Okay, we'll be there together. We'll all go today. Just do whatever you feel. Don't do it. Don't do it. Stop it. Okay? Fact. What does the Bible say? Well, what I feel is wrong. Just, it's just the way it is. Okay? Uh, number three, essential Christian doctrines are open for reinterpretation. Okay? That which men and women have died for, fought for, studied for, and lived for over the centuries, millenniums. Eh, yeah, we live in a more open-minded, pluralistic, progressive society. Careful, careful. Number four, and finally, I'm going to keep moving on. i got to hustle here. The heart of the gospel message shifts from sin and redemption to social justice. Okay? I've, I love social justice. I love helping people in, in need. I love ministering and putting rubber to our feet and doing what God has called us to do. But the real message is the gospel, the good news. Your eternal soul can be eternally saved and eternally forgiven. That's the real problem. I love buying people meals and giving them hotels and sleeping bags and help, okay? But not at the expense of giving them the message of grace, of God, of eternal salvation. Well, that being said, the word of God is what's drawing these people. Let's read the story now. I want you to just get this. Verse 2, and Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Well, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Stop right there as up here. We see this advance in technology. Jesus has thousands of people. I'm guessing he doesn't say. Hundreds, if not thousands. And he's got his preacher voice, and he's preaching. He sees these two boats, and he says, you know, if I get in this boat and go out a little bit, A, I won't get pressed by the people and crushed. And two, they'll be able to get a little closer. I'll be able to get a little further away. And this amplification of the water will go up this hill and people will be able to hear me by the thousands, okay? Jesus is just using the modern technology available to him at that time, somebody else's boat. We do the same thing here. Whatever's available to us, we redeem for the maximization of the message of Jesus Christ. Whether it's the internet, whether it's streaming, whether it's Facebook, whether it's emails, whether it's popping out this wall we did three years ago to fit more people in here. Whatever it is, whatever you can do and I can do, Jesus did it first in his day to maximize the message. I, I just, it's so simple. Jesus does this. How does he do it? Somebody else's boat. Somebody else's stuff. <laughs> Jesus just pops in his boat. Now, this is Peter's boat. The chapter prior, whose house was he at? Peter's house. He's at Peter's house, he's in Peter's boat, he's all up in Peter's stuff. Man, Jesus is just, hey, Pete, I'm going to take over the world. You mind if I use all your stuff? Uh, you know? Hey, it's the same way today. Jesus says, I want to take over the world. I want to advance my cause. Cool, I'll be over here watching. No, 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 no. I need to use your car, use your boat, use your calendar, use your checkbook, use your days, use your dollars, use your talent, use your life. This is crazy town. Because I think Jesus would do a way better job than me or you at advancing the kingdom of God on his own. Like, what if he was just out there doing it? And Jesus says, boring. I want to use you. 
I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you stuff. And I'm going to ask you to then use it for my cause. Your life is eternal. It's not here. It's not temporal. So much of what we do is for our temporal comfort and joys and advances. So much. And Jesus would say, careful. He would say, actually, invest and make deposits and plant in heaven. Make sure what you're living for now doesn't just get left here to rot and to rust and to be left to somebody else and eventually decay into nothing. Well, he gets into Peter's boat. I like the fact that he says, push me out just a little bit, Pete. Now, if he were to do this, Peter would have to hang on to the rope and make sure he didn't drift off all the way, right? I mean, just he doesn't say it there. But Peter's in the water now like, oh, dude, are you for real? There's a thousand people behind him. Peter's hanging on to the rope like, this is lame, Maybe up to his knees or maybe up to his chest. I don't know. All I do know is this. He asked him to hold the line. And he's asking you and me to hold the line as well. In some way, some fashion, some form. Do something for me. Stand right there in the front. Did you know that the best seat in the house would have been right there where Peter's at? I wonder if Jesus did this on purpose. See, it's not indicated in the story here, but Jesus and Peter had been friends for a while now, and he had called Peter to himself a few times, like, come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I'm going to say it again, fear not, you're going to catch men. He's calling Peter, yet Peter had just been fishing all night. Not sport fishing recreationally, but vocationally, try, trying to make his way in the world. And here Jesus is like, Pete, remember when I called you? What are you doing fishing all night? I don't know. <laughs> He's going to ask him a minute, oh, how'd it go? Not too good, you know? And so he's like, hey, Pete, just hold the line, dude. I'm going to preach a sermon real quick. It's going to be great. And oftentimes, the Lord will ask you to toe the line. Just show up. Just do something. Why? Because you're squirrely. You're a weirdo. If you don't serve some way, if you don't commit to something, if you don't do something, you'll probably be out of town. As a matter of fact, I love being able to teach the Bible. Not because I can or I'm good at it, okay? I am so blessed because I need it the most. Because I'm forced to study it at a level of depth that I would never do. I confess, I would never do if I weren't there holding the line. I would never, my wife's teaching Sunday school right now. Last night she's studying about Samson and putting together sermon lessons and plans, the curriculum and doing that. She wouldn't do that necessarily unless she was teaching, giving out. And God's going to ask you, hey, just show up, do something. Be a part of something, man. Go to a life group. Be part of the garage show. Go to the missions night on Friday. Get involved. Well, I don't want to. I just feel like I'm just holding the line and being used with my stuff. Uh, that's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. And God might have you in a position to receive the forefront of the blessing. Peter is here doing this. It says, verse 3 again, then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put out a little. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Stop right there. Jesus is so radical. This guy's intense. First, he just commandeers this vessel, looks to the owner. He's like, put me out a few feet, bro, and hold the line. You know, I was like, okay, you know. And Peter's tired. He'd been fishing all night, caught nothing, was washing his nets before Jesus jumped in the boat. And now Jesus preaches, and the sermon's over. He's like, okay, can I roll you back in? He's like, no, we're going fishing. And Peter's got, I mean, who knows? We don't, I wasn't there, but Peter's got to be a little ticked, like fishing. We're going fishing. Jesus, can I remind you of a few things? Number one, I've been fishing all night, okay? I'm tired. Number two, I was fishing all night when you're supposed to fish. You fish at night in the Sea of Galilee, not the day. And we caught nothing. The fish aren't here today. Uh, number three, you've been preaching and yelling and screaming. I've been kicking the water and all the rest, and the fish are scared at this point. They're not here. And number four, you're a carpenter. If this involved wood of some sort, I might defer to you at this point. But I'm a fisherman. All these things are going through being. Jesus preaches, da, 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 preaches this sermon. And then as an illustration to kind of seal the deal, just so you guys know I'm not just talking. Now I'm going to take you out and I'm going to test you. And did you know that after a teaching, always comes the test? When you learn something, when you receive something, when you get something, God's like, I'm going to put that to the test now. That's how it's going to be. I love learning. Don't you love learning? I love finding out a key concept. Man, God's faithful in all things. Cool. Let's go test it. What? God's going to redeem you from the wreckage of your life. Awesome. Let's go test it. What? You know? And whatever he preached, the sermon's not here necessarily. We don't know what he preached in this text, but he says, let's go out in the water. Let's just see what's going on. And Peter, he does it. He does it. 
He could have argued for a lot of reasons. I listed just a few for you. Here's the deal, though. God wants you to trust him in all things and in all areas of your life. He actually wants you to trust him over some of the areas in your life that you're an expert at. Peter's an expert fisherman. He knows what he's doing. Jesus doesn't know what he's doing as far as fishing is concerned. Jesus, this is all messed up. Look, look at the next. I need to see his response, though. Where are we? Lost my place. Launch out into the deep. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, verse 5, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Now Peter's wet and he's heard the sermon. And he answers beautifully right here. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Whoa. This is, this is, where, the, this is where it happens right here, folks. Peter's right. Lord, we fished all night. There aren't any. It doesn't work. But at your word, I shall do it. When God's word comes into your life, when God's spoken word reaches your ears, your eyeballs, and you see this is what he now declares. You might say, well, it didn't work then, but now God's involved. And what God says goes. And when you test God, he shows himself strong. Here's Christianity 101. Ready? Nevertheless, at your word I will. That's Christianity 101. Straight up. And when God's word enters your heart and soul, you might have arguments. Yeah, but that's crazy. And yeah, and this and that. And yeah, it won't. But I'll do it. When you get into God's word and he tells you what's up with the what's up and you do it, okay, you're walking in Christianity. His word has taken over your life. I remember when I first started beginning uh, to walk with God and reading God's word, he started convicting me of stuff. You guys remember that when, when that happened to you? I was way out there. I was, a, I was a cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, man. I was way out to lunch. And I began to read. I was like, oh, God's word, yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm doing everything wrong. Everything. everything. And all my friends were like, just calm down, bro. I'm like, no, you're not my friend. And, you know, I did every, I started treating people differently because the word said to. I had to move out of the place I was living because the word said to. I had to distance myself from the friends I had made, my homies, my thugs for life, my bros. I had to distance myself from them because the Bible said to. Have you done that yet? Have you read the Bible and said, nevertheless, it's your word, I'll do it. I don't want to. I don't like to. I'd actually rather do this, but I'm a Christian. Nevertheless, what's God going to do to you? Thank you. You're still in trouble. I'm out of here. That's not how the story ends. He does it. He goes out there and drops the net and pulls up so many that his boat almost breaks. He needs another boat to come out there. Both boats almost break. Why? Obedience. Obedience. Obedience, even at sacrifice. And maybe you're here this morning, and you're like Peter with the line. You're saved. You're listening to the teaching, but you haven't launched into the depths yet. You're in the shallow still. It's a good spot to be with Jesus learning. Hearing, it's good. But you can't stay in the shallows. You can't stay just receiving from Jesus. You gotta get in the boat with him and go into the deep waters and see what happens. The deep waters for you are the deep waters for you. The deep waters for me are the deep waters for me. And God's calling me to stuff right now. I, go, well, I just kind of like being knee deep and I'm good and I'm linked to Jesus, but I'm not in the boat doing things for him. I wanna, anybody wanna launch out into the depths? Okay, you gotta follow his word. It's pretty clear. Just, just get in, oh, well, that's for me. That's for me. And while I'm thankful that I was able to change my life radically back in 1998 and 1999 and extract myself from situations and relationships that I had no part being in, the process is still now. It's still now. God's word's still, oh, all right, time to get in the boat. Nevertheless, it's your word. We're doing this. So many things we could argue with God about. Here's the deal. Sometimes God will ask you to do something that doesn't make sense to you just to prove he's God. I'm, I'm okay with that. I like that. He's, he knows what he's doing. They toiled all night before. What's it going to be like here? Uh, and they, verse 6, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they both began to sink. 
What is know this, there are two miracles simultaneously happening. The first miracle is the miracle of attrition. The fish didn't get in the net the night before. It's a miracle. You think there was no fish? Were they all dead? Gone? Up, you know? You think Peter forgot to, 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 I don't want a fish, I forgot to fish. You know, he did. It's a miracle. Jesus was looking at the fish that night and said, don't even think about it. Don't even go close. Ooh, ooh, God's up to something. A couple hours later, preaching goes out, launch into the depths, nets drop. Jesus is like, get in the nets, boys. And there are so many fish. More fish than, than the nets could even handle. More fish than there ever should have been. It's a miracle. Now look at the response, because this is, this is the key. This is the key. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, which they had taken in. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. They left the fish they just caught. This, I mean, imagine this miracle. Peter sees it, and he's like, oh my gosh. It wasn't about the fish. It rarely is. It was about Peter's heart. It was about James's heart, and John's heart, and Andrew's heart, who's also there. They're all brothers. Two families, two, two sets of brothers. And Jesus here picks Peter up and says, don't be afraid. I did, it's just, I did this for you. Miracles. Miracle of attrition. How was that night fishing? Uh, kind of boring. We said some potty, potty words. We were mad at each other. It was not good. Not good. Did you catch anything? Your nets? Your nets are empty? Yep, nets are empty. And then when I told you to do it, what happened? It's crazy. <laughs> it don't make no sense. So much fish. And what's the response? A loyal heart, a broken and contrite spirit. Lord, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, hey, you know what I can do with that heart? A lot. These fish, don't even need them. Not the point. These boats, it's not even the, the point. The point, Peter, is your heart. Now I've got your heart. Now I've got your loyalty. Now I've got your attention. Don't be afraid of anything. Come follow me. Forsake all this. It'll be fine. Your dad will run the business. Don't worry about that. Follow me with your heart. And God will give you miracles of attrition to get your heart. I don't want a miracle of attrition. <laughs> Do you? I don't. God will give you miracles of abundance for your heart. It's your heart. I got that new car the other day. Remember that the new 2008 Tahoe? Somebody was remarking about it yesterday at the wedding. Oh, it's a nice car. And I said, you, know what, you want to know something? I said, it is for me. And I said, every time I get in it, I kid you not, I'm just so, I'm humbled. I'm so, so thankful. I don't deserve anything. It's just an old, it's a car. It gets me from here to there. Eats a lot of gas. I, and I truly am thankful. And it's that attitude of gratitude that will keep you and save me from miracles of attrition, from problems in the future. God is looking for your heart right now. That's it. It's so fun and so easy. Did you know that Peter's nets the night before were empty and Peter's nets the morning of were full? And then Jesus said, shift your attention, Peter. From now on, you're going to catch men. Did you know that Peter would be the first one to preach a sermon on Pentecost Sunday? June 4th here in our day. June 4th is Pentecost Sunday. And Peter would stand up and preach. And 3,000 souls would be saved in one little measly sermon. One little simple sermon. Jesus, I, I know what I'm doing, Peter. Your heart is the issue. The plan for your life, the purpose for Pete, I got it. The potential for Pete, all over the place. Careful, careful, careful. And God will shut things down and he will fire things up and he will do in your life and in my life what he needs to do in order to do this one thing, to get our hearts. I'm gonna have the worship team come up and lead us in a song. And if I could summarize this entire message for you, because I did a lot of talking, I don't want you to miss anything. I want you to leave here overly hungry and forgetting what you heard. Jesus has purpose for your life. <laughs> and the world has potential for your life to take you off course and down other roads that are probably not bad, probably very good. Careful. And yet the Lord is going to pursue you. 
catch the scene one more time in your mind's eye. Jesus is preaching. What are the boys doing during this time? The Bible says they're washing their nets. I wonder if Peter had his back to the Lord during the sermon at the beginning when he was preaching before he got in the boat. I wonder if Peter was busy, tired, just want to go home. I'm so tired. I just... How did Jesus treat Pete, who he had called previously? He was at his house earlier. Peter's fishing vocationally. He's not catching it. He's not hearing God's call clearly. Just like God has called you to follow him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of you. And so Jesus gets in Pete's boat. A little bit invasive. Pete's got the nets put away. I'm ready to go to bed, bro. No, I need you to teach Sunday school. I need you to hold the line. I need you to show up. I need you to be a deacon. I need you to be an elder. I need you to lead the church. I need you to find some other guys to do it with. Peter and John and James, these guys need you. I need you to get serious. I need you to forsake all and follow me. This is not a trial run. One go. One go and you're done. Peter didn't get it. How did Jesus respond? Again and again. Did you know that Peter's like the Charlie Brown of the Gospels? Always kicking at the ball, never connecting. Just his whole story, just all messed up. Yet Jesus had a purpose for him. I got, I'm, I'm going to get you, Pete. I'm going to get you. I'm going to use you. And if you're here this morning and you feel like a little Charlie Brownish, like you maybe aren't in God's purpose, you've followed potential, whatever the case is, and you want to give your life back to the Lord and get in the boat and go from the shallows to the deeps, to the depths, to the test. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right now. Father, in Jesus' name, as we respond to you and come to the table and repent with humble hearts, with loyal minds, Lord, we repent in Jesus' name of who we are naturally apart from you, Lord, just like Pete, running on our own show, doing our own thing. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, your mercy upon us now as we come to the table of communion, which reminds us of your blood and your body broken for us. The Lord, it is finished and it's done. You said so. You actually told us, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Take, drink. This is my blood spilled for you. A new covenant, a new promise. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, an awakening for this group who have gathered here this morning of their purpose in Jesus' name. Not just potential, but their purpose whether they're disciplers, whether they're evangelists, whether they're leaders, whether they're sustainers, whether they're givers, whether they're servants, whether they're under rowers, whoever they are, Lord, in Jesus' name, make the men and the women to know their purpose through that quiet time of seeking you. Forgive us for being so busy, so hard-hearted, so prideful. May we follow Peter's example, humbling ourselves before you receiving, Lord, what you have for us. We do all of this now for your glory and by your love in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen.